joining me and following me on my new podcast MDBM TV with Felice Boyce. I'm your host Felice Boyce and today I'll be discussing the California African American reparations, the destiny of the California African American reparations. So join me. Don't forget to comment, like, and share this podcast and I'll be seeing you soon. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Felice Boys. Welcome to my new podcast, MDBM TV, sponsored by Modern Day Black Mama Records. Uh, I am your host. I am an author, creative writer, and spoken word artist. I support the California African American reparations. Okay, so before I begin, I just want to... uh, make a quick disclaimer I am not a politician and I do not know or have I ever been affiliated with any of the politicians that I mentioned here in this commentary Um, I am not a doctor so if you are having health problems for example if you have a mental health breakdown uh, if you need to speak to a counselor uh, if you have any type of health emergency call 911 or go see your doctor I am not an attorney. I cannot give legal advice. So if you need legal advice, go look for a licensed attorney within the United States of America or wherever you may be in the world and you find that you may need legal advice for any reason, please seek out a licensed attorney. Today, um, I'll be speaking about the destiny of the California African American Reparations Movement and what inspired me to start this commentary. Um, First off, uh, I've lived here in California all my life. I've lived in the ghettos and the suburbs. I've lived in foster care uh, for most of uh, my primary life until I was about 12 years old in and out of foster care. I'm also um, 
a, a victim of violence. So I do suffer from post-traumatic stress. I have been diagnosed with, medically diagnosed with PTSD. So if I sound like mm, my mood is kind of up and down, it may be because of some of the information that I have to share with you because we are talking about American slavery and that may agitate me a little bit but I'll go I'll get through this so and then also the George Floyd's murder uh, which also um, heightened the need for African-American reparations in the United States and um, you know why his death affected so many African-American communities and why now is the perfect time, you know, to, to get, to have the African-American reparations problem resolved because we've gone through, we've had all type of uh, solutions to solve the effects of American slavery, um, which has permeated the lives of African Americans in the United States. So I just want to say that, um, again, back to the solutions, the proposed solutions to solve our problems since the Civil War. You know, you know, we had the Civil War. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, he he freed the slaves. He freed the slaves. You know, we fought through the Civil War. We got through that by 1865. We didn't get our 40 acres. We didn't get a mule to help us till the land. We didn't get any of that. They kicked us to the turf. I mean. Let me say that right. They kicked us to the curb. That's what they did. Andrew, I think his name is Andrew Jackson or Andrew Johnson, the um, vice president who succeeded um, Abraham Lincoln's presidency. He stole that from us. He stole our land from us. So what was... What were African-Americans supposed to do? Where were they supposed to go with no medical services, no housing to live in, no education, you know, with all the discrimination, no land of their own to build a democracy, to build communities and a livelihood that can thrive in this diaspora in America? What were they supposed to do? And, you know, <clears throat> you know, back to uh, the solutions that I mentioned. Civil War was supposed to be a solution. You know, they were fighting over land and slaves and who knows what else, you know. And then we had, um, we had the um, Civil Rights Movement. Okay. And then we had the... Um, Black Lives Matter movement. So I just want to just back up a little bit because I think last I mentioned was <clears throat> I was talking about um, solutions to the um, problems or the atrocities 
uh, which have impacted African Americans in the United States. I did mention um, the Black Lives Matter movement, but you know we can't forget about the Black Panther movement, um, which was uh, formed by uh, Bobby Seale and Huey P. Huey P. Newton in Oakland, California, and. Um, I remember I was just a child when that, when the Black Panther Party movement was formed. And as an adult now, looking back, when I think about that, and when I think about the young people, like my mother was a young adult. She wasn't even 18 yet. You know, she was barely 20. And um, she, you know, already had two children living in Oakland, California during the Black Panther movement. She used to take me to some of those rallies, she said. She understood the need that the African-American community, you know, she understood, you know, the suffering and what we needed, you know. And, um, and, uh, you know, when I, when I think about them and what they stood for, you know, remember the Black Panther Party was, again, they were supposed to be a solution, you know, to help rescue us. So this was <clears throat> a party, a self-defense militant party to help protect African-Americans in Oakland, California, because of the... Um, harassment you know through the police department police were always harassing black people everywhere and this party the Black Panther Party spread throughout the United States and beyond the United States into the United Kingdom and to North Northern Africa so this was a need remember another solution to help solve you know the this this elongated repeated nightmares of you know the atrocities of slavery that we have to continue to deal with not in just America but beyond America we have this we had this these two young african-american men who saw a greater need still after slavery we still needed our reparations we still needed that land you know and so they put together food programs, breakfast programs. They put together social programs, you know, stuff that that were being denied to us or weren't being offered to us equally in Oakland, California. Now, because I was too young to remember at that time, <clears throat> I was just a toddler. I did suffer the effects as an Oakland resident because I was born in Oakland and I was I lived out there for 13 years of my life I was back and forth in foster homes okay and I was also one of the children who was standing on the streets panhandling when I had no food and me and my siblings had no food in the house to eat we would pick up trash just stuff that looked valuable it wasn't worth nothing put it in a box and try to sell it to people on the street I was one of the kids in Oakland, California, who would break into recreational centers looking for food. 
I was one of the kids breaking into schools after school was out looking for food in the cafeterias. I would take the crackers, take the juice, whatever was graham crackers, whatever was available because we didn't always have food in our house because the opportunities that my mother needed weren't offered to her. So she had to find her way. And that left her with three children struggling in Oakland, California. Okay. Not just my mama, but my grandmother and then my grandmother's mother and her mother, etc. You see the story, see? And so, you know, what I'm getting at is that I can see, you know, I understand and it bothers me a lot that we still have to live in this ongoing fight you know, for what we should be, what we should have. If, and I want to make a correction. I, I think I said that, um, see, after Abraham Lincoln had was assassinated, it was um, Andrew Johnson. So he's the president that reversed the orders to give freed slaves, newly freed slaves, the 40 acres of land and as I can recall collectively I think it was over 400,000 acres which was set aside supposedly set aside they set it they reserved it for African Americans who were newly freed slaves they had an opportunity to start a new life to build to build on what they already had created. They built America. They built America. And when slavery had ended, all they had to do, they had this open door. You know what? The land is yours. Start new. All they had to do is take the skills that they already had acquired during slavery, tilling and farming land and cultivating building homes if we had been given that opportunity and not have it stolen from us wrongfully deceitfully stolen from a, a race of people to build their livelihood here in America we wouldn't be fighting for reparations today now I know all that took back took place back in the south but People, you know, that eventually would have grown from the South throughout America. We would have built our own little governments and, you know, our own regions would have been set aside. Because I think, as I remember that, when they had secured that land for African Americans, newly freed slaves, they were still supposed to be separate from whites. So we were supposed to build our own governments, our own cities, our own communities, our own grocery stores, our own medical facilities, our own banks, our own schools. But instead, we were denied that. It was stolen from us and taken from us and given back to uh, the owners, the original landowners. And so, as we all know, you know, we have this 
it's kind of like we had our own great depression so we had the great depression in america but then it was like after slavery ended african newly freed slaves they had their own great depression to deal with they had to figure out how to build a life for their you know individually and for their families and America's all most of them knew because remember you know we got we had African slaves indigenous slaves coming from Africa to America and most of the slaves were forced into sex labor not just physical work but sex labor so they were um, they were commanded to produce more and more children so you have a whole a whole race of African Americans over here and all they know is America they don't know nothing about Africa they may know that their ancestors they may have known that their ancestors are from Africa but I'm not from Africa neither is my mother or my grandmother and most African Americans in the United States have never been to Africa we've seen Africa on the news you know, through social media, you know, through history books. And, um, and so, you know, that's, that's pretty much my point that, you know, I wanted to kind of just give a brief overview of why I support the California African American reparations, because it is time that this, that this could be a solution, but there is some I do have some personal doubts that this will be a solution you know I don't think that this is going to be a solution um, because even after George Floyd after his murder it did heighten the need a greater need that our reparations are due well, what exactly will those reparations be? And what will become of the 115 recommendations that the task force compiled and, you know, all the data and the research of history that they compiled to bring to America a history that was not known to many of us in California. You know, slavery was way beyond the South. It was, it was right here in California too. So, and they've been able to prove that and they did an excellent job. The, I mean, the information in that 11, the final report 1100 page final report has has you know history that I should have been taught in public schools growing up I should have been taught that in college no the only thing I was taught in 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 school in public schools in primary schools in high school and in college is well whatever was written in those books you know, in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. That's that's the history I got. You know, and um, 
and so yeah we we are we are um you know it's we're overdue to receive those reparations and um i've been going through the 1100 page uh, the 1100 page final report and I do I do want to just briefly share with you what I my personal opinion of maybe maybe five or ten of them just to get started um, we do have the black caucus who recently uh, published the 2024 priority bills package and I will go over that with you in just a second all right, so, <clears throat> excuse me. The California Legislative Black Caucus introduced uh, the 2024 Reparations Priority Bill Package, and that was introduced January 31st, 2024. And the bills, it's about 14 bills, proposed bills. Now, don't let me confuse you while I'm doing a lot of talking, we're talking about proposed reparations. So 14 uh, proposed bills, these are reparations of the 100, of the 115. And this is the first legislative cycle, I think. And I think, there, I think there's only supposed to be two. And so what I'm concerned about is out of 115 african-american approved recommendations how many of those approved recommendations will be will come into fruition and not only that will it suffice what we need and what we didn't get or will they only pass bills based on just what we need right now you know like politically correct items and so what we have here is what they've proposed so far is several categories under criminal justice reform health let's see business education and civil rights and I've counted about 14 proposed bills. And some of those bills are supposed to prohibit discrimination to protect, of, uh, to protect African-American hairstyles in competitive sports and to go back and take back land that was stolen from African-Americans here in California to restore property um, that was um, that was stolen and we're supposed to hopefully get a formal apology for human rights violations so we'll see how that goes and let's see under criminal justice reform where we are supposed to let's see what's it looks like the first bill is supposed to prohibit involuntary servitude. That means um, involuntary servitude of incarcerated persons, people who are in jail, in prison. 
you know, they work. A lot of them work for a living in there. Guess how much they get paid? About 20 cents an hour or nothing. Imagine them going to work every day and getting paid nothing. Okay? When you think about the crime rate in the United States, people go to jail for robbery. People go to jail for murder. They go to jail for fraud. They go to chip. They go. They go to jail for child molestation, for rape. And when they get there, most of them don't get help. They don't get help. And some of them aren't even working. So imagine sitting in prison. You got. You got to do ten. 15, 20, 25 years, sometimes 30, sometimes 40 years. And then when you're released, you have no job skills. You have no money saved up for the, uh, to buy a home or to rent an apartment when you're released from prison after all the hard work you did. You know, so they definitely need to pass this bill because when people are released from prison, they still need help. They still need help. And the last thing I would want to do if I was an inmate is to be working for 10, 20, 25 years or more and never getting paid. No pension. Okay? That's what they did to slaves. Went to, uh, I think, to them black soldiers. When they got out, the um, they went, you see, between 1863 and 1865, during the war, when um, Abraham Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation, um, black men went to fight in the Civil War. When they got out that Civil War, they didn't get no pensions. Imagine doing all that hard work, okay? Having no pension after, after you fight the war to end, to end slavery and, you know, fight for our land, and then you don't have no pension and you don't have no place to live. And you don't have money to pay rent. Yeah. So that's what it's like for incarcerated people coming out, doing all this hard work in prison. And then and then and then the state says, Okay, you've served your time you've served your time. You can you can go. You can go back in the free world. We don't think you're gonna kill anybody else. We don't think you're gonna rob anybody else. Uh, we don't think you're gonna rape anybody else or molest anybody else. We don't think you're gonna knock anybody else in the head. Yeah, but we we going we going to drop you off with no money. We don't care how long you work for us. <clears throat> so they need help. So they, I hope they pass that bill. And then we got <clears throat> they also ban books. They don't review they don't review books properly. So they're banning books in prison without properly um, reviewing them before banning them. Inmates need books. They need to read. Um there's another bill that's supposed to that's proposed to decrease community violence um, in the African American um, communities within our families and our neighborhoods. Uh, we have another one that's supposed to restrict so, uh, what is it solitary confinement within state prisons. That's another issue in state prisons. You want to re rehabilitate an inmate. If you really want to rehabilitate and help somebody become better 
while incarcerated, you do everything you can so that when they are released, they don't become reoffenders if you help them. Because I do believe that people should be punished for crimes, for violent crimes that they commit against others. I strongly believe in that. But if they're not gonna die in prison and you're going to release these people, you need to prepare them. And keeping them in solitary confinement does not help build them up. It does not make them stronger. It isolates them from the world. Keeping them in administrative segregation does not prepare an inmate to go out and find a job. It does not prepare them to communicate with, you know, the general population, just people around them, just having conversation with people and being in the presence of people. Because in the free world, that is what we do. We are around people out on the streets, in stores, in banks, in neighborhoods, in communities, on the roadways. So keeping inmates in solitary confinement and administrative segregation for years at a time. And there, it, it is known that some inmates spend their entire, their entire sentence in solitary confinement. I'm not saying that, you know, I know every inmate's story is different because there are some violent people in prison who should stay in prison. And there are some violent people who want to be better. And that's why you have to help them. And I think that this bill can help. Uh, it's the Mandela Act. You know what happened to Mandela. You know that some of the atrocities that he had to deal with. Some of the this disrespect and inhumane treatment Mandela had to go through. The security guards peeing on him. And he was begging for water. Security guards used to pee on his head. And he would beg for water. Yeah. Stuff like that. But he became president. Yeah. He made his enemy his foot. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, they need to fix... They, they need to pass those bills. Those are urgent bills. Because we have... Um, inmates being released into the community all the time, every day. You got hundreds of thousands of inmates being released. And so they have to be prepared to be productive in society. So if you keep them in, in, in uh, involuntary confinement and administrative segregation, that does not re rehabilitate. It does not help make them better. It does not help improve society. What it does is it prepares them to reoffend, and when when they reoffend, sometimes they commit greater harms and greater crimes. So somebody's family can be a victim because the system did not help prepare them to be successful upon release. So they 
they need everything possible to help them. So <clears throat> I agree that that these bills are a priority. So and moving further down to health, they also want to provide more food and nutrition for uh, Medi-Cal benefits in, um, in uh, I guess for healthcare providers in um, California. This, is, this one is not really that clear to me. It's supposed to be some type of intervention. Uh, so I'm not sure why this one is a priority. Healthcare is a priority but this is not very clear to me. Um, it's also supposed to provide food. Uh, let's see. It's supposed to notify underserved and at-risk communities when grocery stores are closing down in their communities. And I think that that is a good, this is a good bill to pass. This is a good priority bill because when you think about underserved at-risk communities we're talking about people who live African Americans who live in poverty the, and you know and they have to um, you have some African Americans who have medical conditions that require them to eat specific types of foods and most people who have medical conditions either they make sure they live close to hospitals pharmacies and grocery stores and farmers markets to access the foods and medicines that they need to live on and to survive every day. So I would say this is definitely a good priority bill because the last thing I would want is to be living in a community. Um, uh, you know, the grocery store has the pharmacy and it has all the foods that I need to access my medicine or <clears throat> you know, any of the foods I, I need, organic foods, whatever, etc. The last thing I need to do, I need to have is them notify me or never notify me and just, you know, filing bankruptcy and moving and never replacing it with, you know, a new store who can offer the same foods and medicines. So I agree that this is a, a good priority bill that should be passed because most people living in, impoverished neighborhoods either don't have a job or they have uh, low income wages they can't just get up and afford to move you know so you know it makes sense this one makes sense so under business they want to eliminate um, barriers that prevent people from getting um, state licenses so for example going back to inmates um, it yeah, because this is for people who have criminal records. So, yeah, going back to inmates. Inmates getting out of jail, again, if you want to see people, if you want to help lower the crime rate, help inmates that are getting released from prison. You help them. And this is a good priority bill because they need jobs. You know, some of them are coming out and they want to be barbers, so they need cosmetology, cosmetologist licenses. Or they want to be real estate agents, you know. Um, they want to be teachers that may require a license, a state license. Um, anything, anything that may require an, uh, a state license, 
and if the felon an ex-felon has a criminal record and they've proven that they you know are willing to go to school and work why take the license why create that barrier to prevent them from being better because that's the person that won't murder you that's the person that won't go rob your house that's the person that won't go molest your child that's the person that won't rape your wife or that's the person that won't rape your son or your children the ones that want to be better they want to work they're trying to be better you help them this is an excellent priority bill um under business so and that's for um um i guess ex-felons with criminal records or anybody with a criminal record that's seeking occupational licenses here in california african-americans so that's a good priority bill uh, then we have under education they want to expand um education uh into i guess they want to focus on stem related cte programs i think this is a good popular educational program i'm not sure if it should be a priority bill to just to just focus on 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 stem related cte cte programs in high school and college that that's good that's a good step but that's only one education covers african americans need more access to more education you know and um i'm talking about high school and college students so this is one this is a good start but it's not a good bill not in my opinion we need more resources more educational resources for African Americans in high school and at the college level and even after the college level for African Americans who are just graduating you know they're in the job market looking for work starting new careers paying back student loans you know um, they need as much education as possible to, to get the best jobs so I don't I don't agree that this that this stem related cte program should be a priority bill and then we have civil rights <sighs> they're supposed to um looks like they're supposed to fund more programs more programs to increase life expectancy so um i don't see much on i don't see much of a broad description so i'm gonna give a thumbs down on this one i don't see why this Jackson bill should be a priority. Um, um, yeah, I'm just a little confused about this one. So that's all I have to say about the um, uh, the 2024 reparations priority bill package. So next, I'm going to just give a brief commentary on the task force, the California task force uh, final report. Uh, I'll be right back. All right, this is the end of part one of the California African American Reparations. I want to thank you for joining me. Um, I look forward to you commenting on this video if you enjoyed it. And please like and share. And um, don't forget to check out uh, part two. Thank you.
Hello, this is Felice Boys with Modern Day Black Mama Records. If you enjoyed this video, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, keep that love, that joy, and that peace close by. And I'll see you next time. There's only one kind So hush not